From DLA Piper, this is the Beyond the Curve podcast. In this episode, DLA Piper Sushila Rivers and John Sullivan speak with Christina Gaugh, Managing Principal and Head of Capital Markets at Gaugh Capital, one of the world's largest private equity real estate companies, about the process of reopening office, retail, and hotel properties in Asia in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome. My name is John Sullivan. I'm the chair of DLA Piper's U.S. real estate practice and the co-chair of our global real estate practice. We all know well, probably all too well, that the COVID-19 pandemic has created unprecedented challenges for commercial real estate owners, developers, and operators around the world. In the U.S., after a period during which a large portion of our commercial real estate assets were either totally shut down or significantly curtailed, governmental restrictions are now starting to be lifted. And so our U.S. commercial real estate owners and operators are trying to figure out the best way to reopen or reactivate their properties, balancing the need to get back in business with the need to protect public health and safety. And when you think about it, you realize this is a challenge unlike any other that we've faced before in the U.S. commercial real estate industry. So we find ourselves without a ready-made playbook. But other parts of the world, particularly in Asia, were hit with the COVID-19 pandemic before the U.S. was hit. And as a result, they're ahead of the U.S. in figuring out how to own and operate commercial real estate in a COVID-19 world. So as is always the case, we in the U.S. can learn from our colleagues and our friends in other parts of the world. And in that regard, I'm delighted to introduce my partner and friend, Sushila Rivers, who will introduce our special guest. Sushila is the managing partner of our Hong Kong office, our head of real estate in Asia, and my real estate global co-chair. So Sushila, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, John. It gives me great pleasure, and it is an honor to introduce today my dear friend, Christina Gore. Christina is Managing Principal and Head of Capital Markets at Gore Capital. So the purpose of today's discussion is for Christina to share the experience of Gore Capital and how the COVID-19 pandemic impacted their investments and their business with a particular focus on operations and the process of reopening, reactivating their real estate assets or stores. Christina, first, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. As a global real estate investor, I'm sure you'll have the information and insights from your experience in dealing with the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on your real estate investments, and that will be of great interest to our audience. If we can start, Christina, please, can you give us an overview of your company and its real estate investments or operations? Thank you, John and Sushila. So Gall Capital, it's headquartered in Hong Kong, and we have an asset under management of around 25 billion US dollar. We have investment all over the world and with three main regions, Asia, the US and Europe, with about 60% of those assets based in Asia, and the remaining 40 is quite evenly split between the US and Europe. The way we organize ourselves is that we have an integrated platform, which means that we have our own in-house asset management team to manage and operate majority of our real estate in the portfolio. So during this COVID pandemic, our team has been very busy in terms of figuring way out to protect the tenants and also during shelter at home 
doing a lot of things to our assets. Well, thank you, Tina. If I may, can I ask you to briefly describe how operations of your real estate investments or facilities were impacted by COVID-19 in the country or countries or cities where you operate and own? For example, did your properties shut down? And if so, was the shutdown voluntarily done or was it as a result of government mandates? And even if your real estate assets were not officially shut down, Tina, were they effectively shut down as a result of government stay-at-home or similar orders or other reactions to the COVID-19 pandemic? Right. Since we are a diversified real estate investment manager, so we are exposed to pretty much all segments of the real estate sector. And within all the different various sector type, there is only one sector that we did close the operation, and those are hotels, hospitality. That's pretty obvious because of the countries shut down, that there's no tourists that could land, there are no flights going there. So there are certain countries where we have hotel around the world, about 31 properties all over the world. So especially in Europe and in US, particularly New York City, for example, the hotels are shut down as a result of there's just no business. But in terms of other type of assets, especially in Asia, We actually did not have a formal shutdown ever because Hong Kong government never actually mandated a citywide shutdown. It was more like they implemented a lot of restrictive measures in relation to no group gatherings, limited number of people that could go out to restaurants. But of course, during the height of the pandemic, people are generally not going out. And of course, there's no tourists coming in to Hong Kong either. So businesses on their own, privately would choose to close. But a lot of shops also never closed because it was not a government-mandated shutdown. Very different from the US and Europe. So from that standpoint, the most affected sector is hotels. And then the second most affected sector is retail because people are not going out. But I would say from Asia standpoint, because we have already gradually opened back up, I would say the last four weeks, especially Hong Kong and also our neighboring main tier one cities in China. So businesses are actually starting to come back. In fact, in a quite a busy way, if we go to restaurants, it's actually very well booked up. We are still under measures of not more than eight people per table, which is an improvement from no more than four. But the city is actually returning somewhat back to normalcy in Hong Kong in particular. Thank you. I, as you know, Tina, we both live in Hong Kong and I was out yesterday with my own family to celebrate a birthday and actually the restaurants in Hong Kong downtown feels busy. If I can also ask you, Tina, assuming that some of your properties were perhaps used differently, as you said, the hotels in response to the pandemic or underutilized, can you tell us what steps you as a company took in preparation for coming back to full use and full occupancy, or at least increase use and increase occupancy when those restrictions end? So for example, for hotels, some of our hotels, we use the shutdown period to actually do renovation work because during normal times, the hotels are busy. And obviously as owners, we try to maximize revenue generation. So a lot of the improvement works, major or minor, have been delayed. And so we particularly use this time to 
make those improvements. And again, in certain countries, construction workers were allowed to work. Those are considered essential. And、mm. for certain countries, they stayed away. But then they were still able to return to work. Like for example, the U.S. earlier than the cities being opened up. So we utilize those downtime to actually make those improvement. And obviously, we do a significant and a heightened level of cleaning and sanitizing our properties to ensure that when the reopening comes, the customers would actually feel at ease and comfortable. Into coming in, and there are also quite a lot of different things that we have done in terms of protecting our tenants and owners, landlords. Is we have implemented a lot more stringent screening of visitors coming into buildings or into our property. So. At the building entrance level, it is the job of the landlord to provide. So, for example, thermal screening. So, some of them still use the thermometer. Everybody coming in, the guard downstairs would do the thermometer check. But also, there are more modern buildings that use more technology, where they would have the thermal check when people walk in. Which has been implemented at the Hong Kong airport since SARS already. So I would say that learning from SARS epidemic that was in two thousand and three. There is quite a number of things that have been implemented already. So we basically have learned from that in Asia and have continued to put more stringent measures in individual buildings. And then upon entering offices, then there is also other sets of measures with thermostat measuring temperature and also asking guests to fill up. And sign a form to verify that they have not been overseas for the last fourteen days. That type of measures. And again, something very important is that everybody in Hong Kong wear a mask. And I would say, in general, now China does as well. So mask wearing has become a norm, which I think for myself is actually the biggest change from pre-COVID. Thank you, Tina. There is, from my understanding of what's happening around the world. Different emphasis on how to overcome this issue. So you mentioned masks. That's very interesting. You've also mentioned the restrictions in the restaurants and the way you're doing the cleaning. I was going to ask you about the changes to the common areas in your building, which you've mentioned. But I would say it's certainly in this part of the world that I agree with you. Mask wearing is important. And would you say it's true that in the U.S. in Europe, they talk more about promoting social distancing? Installing barriers at security desks and changing air filtrations, keeping distancing in the offices, etc. Are those measures that you're also doing in your common parts and within offices in relation to the investments you hold? Yes, this is actually probably the best time post COVID that businesses would be a lot more alert relating to things like prop tech. Which I think it has been a subject before all this COVID took over for a lot of property owners and users about what prop tech that could do to buildings, in particular those that focus on environmental friendliness relating to saving energies, but it could also relate to virus clearing. So, in fact, there is a company that recently came. About on our radar, which currently it is actually the purifier cleaner that could be placed in rooms and location. They look pretty sleek in design, and it's very different from normal purifying machines in that the normal ones clean the air, but they actually trap the virus. Whereas this technology, the founders have been explaining, is that it actually kills the virus. 
So there are differences in scientific advancement that there are these newer ways of clearing out viruses when you do a filter cleaning of sorts. So we obviously are taking a closer look in these different options that are being offered in the market to, again, put into our buildings and make them even better than before. In terms of putting up extra dividers on open area desks and so forth for us, mm. we do have those in terms of the open space seating already. And obviously, we also have individual rooms for certain level of staff. But I think more importantly, to be honest, is in Hong Kong, because space is very scarce, it is definitely difficult to prolong forever that social distancing rule. So because right now, there are also a lot of companies that divide teams up into A and B team to adhere to that social distancing rule by having different group of staff being in the office. So the open space area would not be as congested as they were before. So putting up compartment is one way or divider is one way, which we have seen a lot of restaurants do it too, with a lot of the tables that are closely packed together. But on a prolonged nature, I still personally believe that if we do, like as mentioned, wearing face masks when in more crowded situation and use hand sanitizer more often, improve self-hygiene, it would be actually a good way to prevent a lot of virus spreading already. I share your views. And actually, Tina, if I can say my brother actually is an ENT surgeon and he's in the front lines in Singapore. And his advice to me and certainly to all his friends is the boosting of one's own immune system, because actually, ultimately, it is our immune system that fights the virus, as yep. he tells me. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Interestingly, also, Tina, an issue close to my heart is the focus on health. As you talk about the various measures in your buildings, I've been speaking to some Hong Kong landlords, too, and they're putting some focus in not just purified air, but having open agile spaces where you can get light therapy or air therapy or similar concepts like that. So as you say, you talk about prop tech, but it's also prop tech with health, I would say, which is currently the buzzword. So Sheila, I wanted to mention one thing as you were talking about that, because it actually relates to your previous question is about the design and use of commercial real estate in general as to whether yes. that would have impact and changes in the future. I wanted to add is that in all honesty, for the last, I would say five years, or even slightly longer in the Western market, there is already a lot of focus on making users space much more green. It includes a lot more outdoor space. Mm -hmm. And outdoor space with certain office floor has become a rare commodity in Hong Kong, and they usually fetch higher rents. So I think that concept of more open space that people could go out and not stick to their desks has already been in place. Mm. So I think it's a matter of, as you mentioned, self immunity being stronger, which also relate to a lot of the Gen Z's generation, where I find that they just focus on a lot more on well-being in general. So I think yeah. that trend is already coming along even before the COVID time. But I think that what this pandemic has done is to make the transformation quicker. And in fact, maybe even convert a generation, I myself included, who were less focused on frequent exercises to think more about it. And same yes. thing as <laughs> digital use, right? This morning, we had a hard time dealing with all these new apps and so forth. But during the stay at home time, there is a major conversion 
for my generation of people to have to get onto Zoom, have to get onto blue jeans, which are new to us, which there are such technology already before all along. Yeah. It's just that they were not fully adopted by a whole generation. So therefore, it leads on to, I always get asked this question, which is about with post-COVID, what are the investment within real estate that becomes more popular or in demand? I would immediately say that it's data center space. Because yeah. it definitely is the space that command the most demand because of the significant increased use. And once people start to use something and they find it, oh, it's not that bad, it's quite convenient, then they'll continue to use it. Whereas before, there was no pressing need for the generation like my generation to adopt to it. The Gen Zs do, but not necessarily us. So that's actually what I have come to realize and experience myself. No, I completely agree. And the other thing which I can see as a real estate investment lawyer is the co-working and the working from home combination has to be reconsidered. For example, where we all go into work from home, it is proven to be a very effective way of working. But I'm interested to see how that develops as co-working goes on for a bit longer, because I think where the world is heading, Tina, is you need both the office and the home options. And what landlords are doing is creating this space for giving people choice. So I want to work from home, but I also want to work from the office, but sometimes I also want to work from outside the office, but not in a cafe, in a safe place. And landlords are looking at all these options for agile spaces, as you say, and that's very linked to well-being and options and family and having a much more combined way of working. Tina, perhaps the last question from me is, we've talked about some of the challenges and certainly some of the ways your business have overcome them. But for you, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges and surprises that you faced when you started to reopen or to reactivate your properties and acknowledging also that Asia is in a different level or phase from other parts of the world? Are there any takeaways that we can share for today? Mm, actually, it's very interesting. I think during the midst of the shelter at home in a prolonged period of time, everybody really kind of wonders is human behavior really going to change significantly on the post-COVID days, right? So now in Asia and in Hong Kong in particular, we are experiencing firsthand. And I don't even think that is a surprise necessarily, but I think that it is more to reinforce the belief that human beings actually don't change too much in that immediately when you open up things or allow things to open up, people gather they want to see each other, they go out. Mm. So even during the time of the three months of really very lack of activity, so to speak, we stay at home. Then one of the silver linings of this whole thing is family time. And I'm sure a lot would agree that it has been good to have all the kids around and the family time has become very precious in a very hectic lifestyle that we lead these days in the cities. And then we talk about whether certain behavior would change, whether people would prefer to work from home and all of that. While those were given as an option, but the minute that people feel safe to go back out, at least for my experience, it's actually quite normal. We go out to eat a lot. <laughs> people mm -hmm. have pretty much come back to the office every day. They still have the option to stay at home, but they choose to be back. 
So I mm. still see yes. it coming to work every day as a normal thing. And it just seems like that three month is still in my mind, obviously, right? Because everybody's a sufferer during those three months. But if I go around to the malls, the community malls that we own, it's actually recovering very quickly. And for hotels, yeah. interestingly enough, I have heard my US colleague mentioning that some of the hotels are gradually opening back up, especially those that are along the coastal cities where domestic travel is gradually coming along. Now, you could only go as far as where the flights are available because the flights are still far and few between. But for those places that the flights are available, the hotels along the coastal cities are actually seeing pretty high occupancy on the weekends. Again, meaning that people are already starting to go out. They want to travel. So to me, it's not a big surprise because we actually always think human behavior is they want to be with each other. But it just shows that people were always, always, maybe, maybe over concerning during the time that everything is kind of bad. And then they worry about how long it's going to bounce back. But at the same time, I'm not saying that it has been easy at all during the close down because there are certain businesses where, especially those that rely on heavy rents, and even though there may be rental concession granted by landlords, but there are certain businesses that just rely on that. So for those few months, especially in places where it wasn't a mandated shutdown, and you still kind of have to pay the staff. And so some of those businesses, even within the three months of downtime, would have already been gone out of business. So it definitely has been tough. But fingers crossed with the hope that all the places started to gradually open up, that businesses that have survived hopefully could be even stronger. Because maybe during this pandemic, there were a lot of access in certain businesses that were taken out. So consolidated a bit, I would say. Thank you. That's so much good insights from Christina. Over to you, John. It surely is, Christina. Thank you. You just mentioned the U.S. and in particular, a lot of our listeners are real estate owners, investors, operators, developers based in the U.S. And it's so incredibly valuable for them to hear from somebody like you, who's a global investor. As you know, the U.S. is probably third in line to deal with this. Asia dealt with it and then a lot of Europe, and then the United States. Let me ask you this. If you had one piece of advice that you could give to real estate investors and owners in the U.S. about how to effectively own and operate their properties in this COVID-19 world, what would that one piece of advice be? Sure, John. Thank you. It's actually quite simple because in Hong Kong and in China and most parts of Asia, mask wearing has become a daily thing. And I think I could speak with some level of intimacy in that I have four children and they are actually located around the three regions of the world. So my eldest daughter is in the United States in Bay Area. My two sons are actually in UK in boarding school. Obviously they are home now, but they basically reside in London for most of the year. And then I have my youngest daughter, 13, who is in Hong Kong. So I actually have firsthand information as to how all of those places have developed through all of this. Then the interesting thing is mask wearing is still not really accepted daily norm in the Western countries. I talked to my London friends and they're like, yes, Tina, we know that mask wearing is good, but this is not something the entire community abide to because certain government come out and say face masks are not useful. 
but it's clearly not the case. So I would say that one piece of advice is you want to reopen your property safely and that your staff and tenants feel comfortable. Mask wearing is a must. It is inconvenient. It takes some getting used to, but it is the one single piece of advice that is probably the easiest to do the reopening smoothly. Because, for example, in Hong Kong, my youngest daughter, 13-year-old one, has started school after almost four months of not being able to go to school. They started about three weeks ago. Everybody is wearing masks. Everything in the classroom is social distancing. Instead of sitting around together in one round table, they have individual tables that are lined up with that social distancing rule space in between. And they have opened up three weeks with no issue at all. They actually had a graduation yesterday, middle school graduation, where they only allow one parent to go per student and they seat everybody with social distancing. So it physically happened, which I thought was quite a big feat, given that, as we know, all the U.S. university, it was a big thing. The commencement cannot be in person. So things have been done. And it's just that probably need the population to be more willing to abide to rules in relation to the better of their health, even though it may not be the most mm-hmm. comfortable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that advice and those insights. You've been very generous with your time. So this will be the final question. This obviously is a challenging time for everybody on multiple levels. And you've been in the middle of this both professionally and personally now for quite some time. So maybe ending on a positive note, are there any words of encouragement that you might have for our listeners based upon your experience and what you've seen and what you've learned? Yes, because we are seeing places like Hong Kong or even neighboring tier one cities in China opening up pretty safely and smoothly. The word of encouragement for those who are still experiencing this shelter at home feeling when the economy is going to come back and recover is as and when the city is allowed to reopen and if the citizens are willing to do the protection that I was mentioning, personal hygiene, boost immunity, wearing face masks as their daily thing, which has to do with caring about each other as well and not just the oneself, you could open up the city and the recovery is actually rapid. I could attest to it that going to restaurants in Hong Kong, even though there is still an eight person per table rule, the business was actually better for some of the restaurants that I always go to was better than the pre-COVID days. And some of the beauty businesses, this is interesting, some of the beauty salon, that skin maintenance and all that, they were busier than pre-COVID. And some of the staff were saying because people have to wear face masks, they develop a little bit more allergy. So there are more people actually going to have better skin management of some sort. So it's very interesting to see certain businesses actually bounce back much stronger than pre-COVID. Not necessarily just the technology or digital related type of businesses, but some other normal businesses as well. So there is encouragement at the end of this tunnel. But again, the one really important word of advice is faith masks should become one of the necessity until we are over with this whole pandemic because we're not entirely clear yet. It's just that we could minimize infections and we could go back to doing all the activities that we enjoy with our friends and classmates and colleagues. 
Christina, thank you so much for all of your thoughts and insights and sharing that with us. We know you're incredibly busy. You're running a world-class global real estate investment company, and we really appreciate you taking the time to share your experiences and your wisdom with us and our listeners. And we've got no doubt that it's because of people like you who are willing to share their experience and their knowledge and their insights that we're going to overcome these challenges. So thank you very much. Great. Thank you, John. Thank you, Sushila. Thank you so much, Tina. Thank you for listening to DLA Piper's Beyond the Curve podcast. This podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship between the firm and listener. All information, content, and materials discussed are for general informational purposes only. No listener should act or refrain from acting with respect to any particular legal matter on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Views expressed by guests are their own.